This episode of the ACB Advocacy Update has been made possible in part through the support of ACB of Minnesota. You're listening to the ACB Advocacy Update. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the ACB Advocacy Update. My name is Clark Rockfall, and I am the Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs for the American Council of the Blind, and I am joined by... Hello, I am Swathananda Kumar. I am your other host, um, ACB's Advocacy and Outreach Specialist. And Swatha, I hope that you had a restful and happy and fulfilling Thanksgiving holiday. Yeah, you too, Clark. It was, it was a lot of fun. It's nice to take a break and nice to be family and nice friends. To be with, yeah, nice to be with family and friends for the holiday and for your birthday yesterday. Happy oh, birthday, yes, yes. Yeah, it was, yes, it was great. Great birthday. All right, and thank you to everyone who's listening uh, via your favorite podcast player, whether you are streaming, listening, downloading, please uh you know, rate the podcast and write a, write a review, share it with your friends and family. Also, hello to everyone listening on the ACB Media Network. As always, you can learn more about ACB, our advocacy work, latest news, ways to join ACB and get involved by going to acb.org. And if there are any advocacy issues that you'd like to share with us, please send us an email at uh, advocacy at acb.org. All right, so Swatha, today we're, ta- we're providing an update on an advocacy issue that ACB has been working on for quite some time, um, but also the, the greater disability community was very active on the past few months. So uh, why don't you lead us in here? Yeah, so that issue was um, a case called CVS v. Doe, um, and that issue was dealing with... Um, Discrimination and intentional versus intentional versus benign versus um, benign neglect. So, um, talking about the difference between like if a business intends intends to discriminate against you because of your disability, or whether they just kind of be clueless and they just do it, they just don't, they just like implement implement a policy without considering the fact that you have have an us. So, um. This case was talking about um, the program that they had um, for specialized medicines to be delivered by, by mail instead of um, being able to pick it up in person at a CVS location. And that was um, found discriminatory or filed and suit discriminatory um, against patients that needed specialized, specialized medicine, specialized medicine. Because the mail is, you know, slower and things get lost and things get damaged in the mail and just a lot more, a lot more of a um, burdensome process than just going to the CVS or the local uh, pharmacy and picking up, picking up your, picking it up right there. Um, so the case, um, it went up to, so the case was, um, so CVS decided to, um, appeals to the Supreme Court in the case and um, the effects on if the effects arguing arguing that this um, 
new policy was not meant to discriminate against um, people with people special medicines, people with disabilities, but that they didn't know that this would happen, that they didn't really, they thought this was um, sort of a good solution, but in reality, it's not, it was not at all ideal. And so it's a case of intense, intense discrimination versus um, benign neglect and they, um, they want and they, they filed to amend. Yeah, so. Yeah, so yeah. the, and we're talking about um, the pharmacy, CVS, Charlie, Victor, Sierra, right? Not to be confused with CBS, the, you know, broadcast yeah. television Rivers. station. Yeah. But I mean, there, there are CVS pharmacies all over the country, right? Thousands of locations, many of them. Um, in grocery stores or uh, big box stores as well. So one of the biggest pharmacy brands um, around the around the United States, right? And yeah. in in this case that Swatha was outlining, there were um, at least named plaintiff five individuals with um, HIV who wanted to receive their. Uh, their pharmaceuticals, their prescriptions, and pick them up in store versus receiving them in the mail. But the only option available for their specialty prescriptions was to receive them in the mail. And I, you know, there are folks who like to receive their prescriptions in the mail, but there are also folks who that don't, want don't that. like yeah. to receive them in the mail. Like Swatha said, there, there could be delays, things could arrive damaged, Certainly for folks who are blind or visually impaired, if your pharmaceuticals, your prescriptions arrive via the mail, uh, are they yours? Are you able to read the labels? Where, where did the, the mail carrier or the package delivery service, where did they put them? Um, mm -hmm. You know, were they, were they stolen? Were they left out in extreme heat or extreme cold? How does that impact the, the prescription medications as well? Um, but the, the, the bigger point here was what Swatha was uh, outlining, the, the notion of intent to discriminate, right? Um, yeah. And under, uh, under our disability rights laws here in the United States, you know, the ADA is clear that it doesn't matter whether you intend to discriminate or it's um, benign neglect meaning unintentional discrimination. Um, but there are other, other statutes that are less clear on that, um, such as Section 504 of the Rehabilitation Act. So the, the great concern for the disability community was that if the Supreme Court heard this case, which you know, they granted uh, certiori, um, they were going to hear the case actually this month in December. It was slated to begin next week. And now I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm giving away the, the, the punchline here by saying the case was scheduled to be heard. Um, but if it was, the fear from the disability community was that the Supreme Court could rule in CVS's favor and say that something is not discriminatory against people with disabilities unless you intentionally discriminate against someone with a disability. Uh -huh. And uh, this so, creates problems, yeah. 
this creates problems because um, absolutely how can it the this creates problems because it can limit how you file suit or if you can file suit at all against um discrimination complaints or how you can can how, how you can prove that a company's discriminating against you if they don't think about it at all so yeah i mean think about um public transportation you know um or other um you know websites mm-hmm. operated by the federal government state and local government government contractors um, they could create an inaccessible website and then say oh i'm sorry i didn't know it yeah. was inaccessible you know, great- unless they have a memo or a policy passed by their board of directors saying now, um, you know, uh, Swatha and company, we, we intentionally designed this website to be inaccessible. And that is the policy of our organization. Um, If it's not that cut and dry and any organization would be able to say, oh, I'm sorry, I, I just, I didn't know that we were discriminating against you. I didn't know that if we uh, didn't have a zero entry, uh, you know, train, airplane, bus, that people in wheelchairs or with mobility devices wouldn't be able to board. Or I didn't know if we didn't mm-hmm. offer audible uh, information that people who are blind or low vision would not have access to information. Yep, exactly. It's very hard to prove and very hard to um, file claims or claim at all that you've been discriminated against. Yes. Um, So once the Supreme Court granted certiori for this case, uh, many of our allies in the disability community Uh, filed amicus briefs, uh, friend of the court filings at the Supreme Court, uh, led by the Disability Rights Education and Defense Fund, DREDIF, American Association for People with Disabilities, AAPD, um, and and many others, the Bazelon Center for Mental Health, um, and warned the, the Supreme Court of the dire implications that this could have on enforcing the rights of people with disabilities. Uh, the American Council of the Blind, we joined the efforts of the cross-disability community in appealing directly to the CVS Board of Directors um, to have a, a meeting and to request that they that they remove this case from consideration by the U.S. Supreme Court. Um, this, this all unfolded you know, very rapidly in October and early November. Um, and I'd, I'll just add that before going into the, the Thanksgiving holiday swatha that we got, some, we got some great news from this advocacy work and certainly something to be thankful for. Yes. Um, and, and what was that? Um, CVS withdrew their case from consideration, and yes, so that means that they decided not to proceed proceed with the um, the claims and suit. So yes, so CVS CVS recognized the the concerns of the disability community, and you know what? I'll I'll add that this is more in line 
with the, um, the CVS that we know here at ACB, um, a, an organization that is a leader um, in disability employment, um, in accessibility. So we are, we are thankful that in another instance, CVS was able to uh, collaborate, listen to and understand the needs of the disability community, that they took those concerns to heart and that they withdrew this case from consideration at the US Supreme Court. Uh-huh. Um, and that, that is related to another issue that ACB has been advocating for for quite some time. So folks may remember at the 2020 uh, virtual, the first ever virtual ACB annual conference and convention, um, we had a presentation from CVS because over the years, ACB has been a, a leader in requiring pharmacies to comply with federal law and make available accessible prescription labels. Um, in 2019, our last in-person, or I, I, won't, I don't want to say last because there'll be many more in-person conference and conventions to come, but at our most recent in-person conference and convention in Rochester, New York, um, Walmart what joined us for a presentation and they were highlighting the expansion of the Script Talk accessible prescription solution to all of their Walmart and Sam's Club locations nationwide. And in 2020 at our virtual conference and co convention, we had a similar announcement from CVS saying that they were rolling out a solution called Spoken RX, one that they've designed themselves um, to, at that time in 2020, 1,200 CVS locations. Um, Swatha, do you use an, an accessible prescription solution from your local uh, pharmacy? I have not. I've never, I've never seen, I didn't know it was a thing until, until like recently. So look at that. This, there you go. I know um, it's something that I have also not used um, until recently. So as we've been you know, continuing our advocacy work in this space, um, just, just recently, say in, in the last month, I went to our local pharmacy, which is a CVS inside of a Target store, and as we were picking up a family member's prescription, my dog Summit, Summit Rockfall, uh, as we were picking up her prescription, I asked the, uh, the pharmacy tech if they had spoken RX. And you know, this is the, the part that's probably a not too uncommon experience. There are two folks behind the counter, the head pharmacist and the, the pharmacy tech, and the tech didn't know what I was talking about, but the head pharmacist, she was amazing. She's like, yes, we do have script talk, or excuse me, we do have spoken RX. We have it right here. Um, you know, please give me your phone number and I'll get this set up for you. And within 15 minutes, they had the spoken RX um, RFID tag installed on the, on the bottom of the prescription bottle. They demonstrated to my wife and me how the 
standalone reader would read the RFID tag um, and then speak aloud the prescription information. Um, but, you know, I'm a, I guess I am technically a millennial and the, one of the oldest millennials there, there are. Um, but I am a millennial, so I like to do everything via my smartphone. And how great is it that I can use the SpokenRx app or the SpokenRx within the CVS app to scan and read these prescription labels as well? So that is my entry to the world of accessible prescription labels. Um, and Swatha, now uh, we just had an announcement this week that I'm not going to be the only one getting to use this new service for the first time. Yep, absolutely. Now it's at all visions within the country. So you can get that, it. Yes. So all CVS locations, including those in grocery stores and in Target, uh, Target stores as well, as CVS has rolled out the Spoken RX solution. Uh, so this is a great step forward. It wouldn't be possible without the advocacy work of you know, ACB's former president, Kim Charlson, and, the, and the, the Bay State Council and working with ACB. Um, so we are very grateful for the advocacy work that's been taking place to expand um, this solution. Swatha, what is your local pharmacy? Why are, when are you going to get on the, the Spoken RX bandwagon? One thing. Once it's the youth pharmacy, pharmacy, I will in Alexandria. I will get on the bandwagon. So there you go. So uh, we realize though that this is you know this is new. Um, there could be hiccups along the way. So if folks are experiencing any issues, um, if your pharmacy doesn't know about Spoken RX, um, or if you have issues getting it. Uh, set up or anything like that. We want to hear about your experiences. So please share those with us at advocacy at acb.org. Yep, absolutely. Or call me at 202-467-5081. That's right. So we will continue our advocacy in this space um, to ensure that folks can get the accessible prescriptions that they need. And I, geez, while we're on the topic, Swatha, this is even related to one of our ACB resolutions dealing with the accessibility of pill packs, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah, definitely. We, um, our members can now access, access their pill pack information on the Spoken Rush app. So, yeah. Yeah, and in the, the ACB resolution, um, was dealing with the accessibility of pill packs, which I guess is a, um, you know, a proprietary or trademarked um, packaging. But in in many cases, folks like to receive their their prescriptions in like kind of pre-dosed um, sachets or pouches, right? Mm -hmm. But these don't have any tactile um, or accessible information that is effectively conveyed to the to the consumer to the user so how can you be sure that you're taking the the right medication in the morning in the afternoon or the evening um, if they're not accessibly labeled so this is another area 
uh, where ACB's advocacy will continue as we ensure that folks have accessible access to their uh, medications, pharmaceuticals, um, and honestly, as part of our get up and get moving campaign that folks can take back the independence of their own health and wellness. Mm -hmm. So if there are uh, additional advocacy issues related to, uh, again, whether it's the accessibility of prescription drugs, uh, the availability of accessible information, and tactile markings for pill packs or other health and wellness related advocacy issues. Um, again, you can share those with us at advocacy at acb.org or you can give, call, give Swatha a call at 202-467-5081. And again, a, a big shout out uh, to CVS for working with the disability community to make services more accessible uh, at all CVS pharmacies, including all of those now offering the Spoken RX accessible prescription labels. Mm -hmm. um, and we will continue this work and we will encourage all of our members in the broader disability community to continue doing their great work. And we'll close this out, Swatha. Keep advocating. This episode of the ACB Advocacy Update has been made possible in part through the support of ACB of Minnesota. ACBM wants to send along heartfelt greetings to all of its family throughout the ACB community. Having hosted two outstanding and invigorating ACB national conventions, they are committed to expanding opportunity for Americans who are blind and visually impaired. ACBM supports the James R. Olson Memorial Scholarship honoring one of its past members, and they continue to not let life during these challenging times slow down. ACBM invites all to their informative bi-monthly community conference calls, ranging on everything from sports and technology to gardening and loving life in the land of 10,000 lakes. They hold quarterly monthly membership meetings, monthly coffee gatherings, and monthly board meetings. To learn more about ACBM, visit their website at www acbminnesota.org or call 612-223-5543. ACBM, a supporter of the ACB Media Network.